0: Let's go ahead and, and I'll open in prayer and then we'll get into our study today. Father God, thank you for your word that it never turns back void. <clears throat> Lord, thank you that um, you are always at work. And I just pray, Lord, for other churches and other communities, Lord, and other folks that are, that are looking to you, Lord, today, Lord. Um, that you would move amongst your people Lord that you would draw people unto you that you would cause us to um, fall in love with you Lord uh, we we come to your table Lord to, to to take and eat what you give us Lord for our soul Lord I thank you that your word um, it penetrates into who we are on the inside Lord uh, it's alive and active, and um, I just ask, God, that uh, none of us would leave this place, myself included, Lord, missing on what you have for us. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to to work in our lives as you see fit, Lord. We trust you, God. We know that you're in control and that you love us. And I uh, just praise you for the opportunity you give us to gather together and and to open up the Bible and to read it together, Lord, and and just ask God that um, you just have your way with us today, Lord. And uh, just once again, lift up uh, kids' ministry that you would just uh, continue to minister through um, the, those that serve there as well, Lord. Um, thank you for the fruit that comes out of that. I see it in my own children. And, uh, just praise you and give you all the glory Lord just pray again for those who aren't feeling well you bring healing and the right um, things to bring healing Lord whether medication if that's needed Lord and just pray for all of hers God Plumas Lake Linda Lord that you would just pour your spirit out upon this community Lord thank you that uh, you are just man you're so good And uh, just praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, cool. So if you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles in the back. If you raise your hand, somebody will bring a Bible to you. Um, We do have it on the screen. Sometimes I've been tempted to be like not having it up there so people actually open a Bible. I don't know. Um, One day we may never have electronics and I mean, there's other countries that are out there, right, that have underground churches, and uh, they memorize Scripture. God tells us that if we hide His Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him, and so there's a process that God wants us to be in, and the reading of His Word. So it's an amazing thing. Um, let's see. I'm contemplating whether we're going to read through the text and then go back into it. I think, I think that's... Uh, now we'll go line by line today. So sometimes I've read through the text and then gone back in, but just because of time's sake, I, I think we'll just do that a little different today. So. Ephesians chapter one, verse one through 14. Verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So we see here, um, I got loud all of a sudden. We see here that, uh, sorry, Gina. Well, and I look, it's my wife doing the sound, so. No, that's, that's not a negative thing. This is the fun stuff that happens in small churches. So we see in verse 1 here, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So the author of the book of Ephesians is Paul. Um, he was sent by Jesus Christ, by the will of God the Father, um, to 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 do this, and so and and so we see who the author of the book is. Um, historically, some have uh, you know commentated that uh, it, it was questionable whether this book was this letter was specifically for the Ephesians because of the style of the writing, um, the way this uh, letter was written. Um, it could be uh, given to any of the churches. Some folks had questioned whether it was for Colossians, but um, majority points to this actually being for the Ephesians and hence why we have the word Ephesians here and here where it says to the saints who are in Ephesus. And so we know that Paul was a church planter um, and also he stayed in some time to pastor different churches and then he wrote this while he was imprisoned. So this is uh, later on in his ministry, towards the end of his ministry. But uh, we see here that that it was written uh, to uh, the saints who are, who are in Ephesus. So this letter is written to believers in Jesus that are in Ephesus. Um, and it, it's, um, it's, it's interesting here, it says, and faithful in Christ Jesus. And so we see this, that, that these are not just only saints, obviously saved people, but, but they are faithful in Christ Jesus. So that's an awesome thing. We see that Paul recognizes that, that this church, these believers in Ephesus were faithful um, in Christ And so it's an amazing thing how Paul writes these introductions to to the church of Ephesus. And we see in verse 2, he states, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It's amazing how we can't take for granted the structure of um, the language in in the Bible. And it's important that we see here that without grace, there's no peace from God. Um, You can't have... Peace from God and not grace. And and what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor that God has for us as human beings. His grace towards those that are believers. Grace that comes uh, to us in the forgiveness of our sins and the work of the cross. God sent his son to die for us. There's this unmerited favor, this favor that God has towards mankind that mankind can't gain any, more favor from God than what God has already lavished upon mankind in offering the opportunity to be set free from sin. And not only that, but yet our heritage and our identity is in Christ and it's eternal. And we'll see here as Paul continues to write verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And this is a very um, profound statement that Paul makes here. Paul explodes with this exclamation that his life is giving adoration and thanksgiving to God. That's that first section there where it says, blessed be the God and Father. That's, that's giving adoration and worship and praise and love to God. Bless God. Does your life bless God? Do we think in that terms? Do, do you equate your life and say, is my life blessing God? You're like, well, you, aren't we supposed to just be receiving from God, you know, salvation and 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 God bless my life and bless my work and bless my efforts. But then when we see this, this, this man, Paul, he's writing that we need to bless God with thanksgiving and worship unto him. And there's an outpouring of a person's life that has been saved, that has been set free. We all have concerns and issues in our life, all of, there there isn't, you know, some people have a testimony of being set free from addiction, but other people have testimonies of being set free from all sorts of things. And the fact of the matter is that no one can get to heaven through any efforts of anything that we can possibly produce, whether in ministry or not. If Billy Graham was not saved by the grace of God, all of the thousands of people that the Lord allowed him to be to save through his preaching ministry, that would not have been able to get Billy Graham into heaven. Amen. It's only by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's giving adoration to God the Father. And it's amazing here, um, in, in, in the New Testament, it's important to understand that at certain times, Jesus even referred to God as his God and to God as his Father. And so Paul, in his writing, he's saying the same thing. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's giving adoration to God the Father. As believers we are blessed in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. You know, I was wrestling with this. I'm like, what does this mean because we don't we don't live our lives thinking that you know everything being spiritual we don't we 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 have we we're human beings right that god has given us the ability to to touch tangible items right and so when you see something like this sometimes you can feel like it's this thing that's far out there and untouchable and and in and something that we can't apply to our lives but it's important for us to take what God's word is saying here. And and he's telling us that he has blessed us. He has blessed you as a believer. If you have Jesus Christ as your savior, he has given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and it's in Christ Jesus. Uh, During my study, there's a, 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 a correlation where the Jews, when they followed God, God protected their family and blessed their family with, 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 with you know, uh, uh, I won't necessarily say riches, but but God would take care of them, and there would be physical blessings in their life as they served God and as they made God the Lord of their life. Even in the Old Testament, there was this 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 physical manifestation of God giving things to them and taking care of them and and putting a hedge of protection around them, and we see that in Deuteronomy, and then you can. look Look at this here, and even beyond our physical world, God blesses a believer with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. What God has for you and me goes beyond our own physical understanding. This is something that, not earthly, that that's not earthly, where rust and mold can decay or destroy it, but it's in the heavenly places. We are given every spiritual blessing. This is beyond what we receive here on earth. This blessing is given to us through Jesus Christ. And it's not of our works, nor of our efforts. Not anything we earn, it is in Christ alone that we receive this. I want you to think about this for a second. What God gives us in our relationship with Jesus is so immense. As I was studying, I, I was like praying and, 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 and thinking through this. And this is supernatural. This is something that, that is not, we, we can't make this up in our own mind. This is something when we read this, we just have to say, Lord, I accept the fact that you have given me every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place in Christ Verse four says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, we are elected. There is an election. We have been chosen. God chose you, believe it or not. When somebody starts thinking about eternity and, and then for some strange reason, quote unquote, but I believe God does this, bring somebody to share Christ with them. Just like when Herb and I went out and we were delivering Christmas dinners to people and, 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 and while we were praying for this guy, the Lord put on my heart, ask him if he wants to come to know me and, and everything inside of me was like, how does that work? In my physical body. But yet I was obedient and opened my mouth and this guy received Christ. And this had, I, I, and I said this months ago, a month ago. I said this had nothing to do with Herbert. I, amen. This had to do with God had chosen this person, amen. Okay, when we have a relationship with Jesus, it's because He chose us. And I want you to really take a look at this right here. It says, "Before the foundation of the world, God chose every single person." That is a believer before the earth was created. The most magnificent, most precious thing that God has created is you and me for a relationship with him. Paul's writing here in, to the Ephesians is so profound. In him, in Christ, before the world was even created, not after you cleaned your life up, but he chose you before anything was created at all. God was thinking of you and chose you before the beginning of time. As a believer, this is a reality. Amen. We can look at this and go, as a Christian, I can go, I'm just, this this should create in me this praise and worship and adoration and thankfulness where I just fall on the floor and weep for thankfulness that I have been saved and that the God that creates the universe, created the universe, thought of Brian Deal before anything was made. And if you know Jesus today, this is for you as well. See, a lot of times we go through life trying to equate our, our ability to be accepted by God. We try to equate our ability to, to understand what our identity is. And what God adds to our life through the power of Jesus, it is, it, it's, it's amazing. And the word amazing doesn't even do it justice. God was thinking of you and chose you before the beginning of time. If you're a believer, remember this is to those that were believers. Now you may be saying, well, Brian, okay, well, what about those who aren't believers? Well, God's word tells us that he wills no one to perish, but all to come to repentance through him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It's not for God so loved only those that might choose him. See, there's this separation where our mind can't comprehend and conceive the depth and the width of God's ability and knowledge and understanding of when a person is able to come to the realization that he needs a savior. That's not, we're not supposed to try and figure that out. We need to read the word and go, okay, Lord, this is how your plan is. You love all mankind. You sent your son to die for the world that the world might be saved through him. You and I should be holy. The second section, the latter part of the section of verse four says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Not only has God chosen us but there's a requirement that our life is supposed to be a certain way. You and I should be holy. And, and then I, I, you know, you think, well, how is that possible? Well, holy means to be set apart, separated from the world. When people outside of church look at you, do they see a worldly person or do they see somebody that lines up with scripture or is at least trying to line up with scripture? <laughs> Our lives need to be placed, set apart for God. And how is this possible to take this sinner that I am and make me holy? Not just set apart to God, but to be blameless. To be blameless before a holy God. This is foreign to me. It literally makes no sense to me because I know who I am. but it is Jesus that will present us blameless before God. Jude 24 says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It's amazing. Jesus is the one who presents us before God. It is in him that our eternity is secure and solidified. Praise the Lord for that, man. Because if our eternity was to be secured or solidified by our ability to do good, we would all be damned to hell. The reality is, is that it's impossible for us to please God within our own strength. It's impossible to please God if you have a doctorate in divinity. It's impossible for us to please God without Christ being in our lives. Amen. Verse five says, having, Paul continues to write, says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Now listen to this. Why would he do that? According to the good pleasure of his will. God's predestined plan for your life is adoption as his son and daughter. Some of us may be adopted in our life. Some of us may not. I have nieces and nephews that are. My children, I don't have adopted children in my family, so I'm I'm not personally understand what that is like. But by... The wisdom of the Holy Spirit, God wanted Paul to write this down, that we have been, been, that we are predestined, he has predestined us to an adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself because it pleases God. This is his will. People say, well, what's God's will for my life? God's will for your life is for you to live as an adopted child of God. And a lot of times we have that adoption as like a negative thing. But in the context of scripture, it is not. Because a lot of times we correlate that with with the losing of a family, at least I would think that way. But when a person is adopted, they're not just given a last name or a new address or a new family, they're given a completely new life, a new identity, All the past is wiped away. All the debt that might've been owed for the past life, they're given a completely new life and an identity in a new family. The old is gone and the new has come. This is what the scripture is talking about. You have been given a new family, a new life, something that is written in eternity that rust. And, 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 and decay can never take away. You know, my kids talk with me about our, we have animals at my house and, and we love our animals, our dogs and everything. And they're like, well, what happens to our dog? I said, well, it, it, it decays and goes into the ground. It, it doesn't have a soul. God did not make animals to have a relationship with him. He made you and me to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And that's written in eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Amen. It's not temporal. My cute dog that's like this big now at a year-old, I love him, but, but he has no soul. He is there to please me. But the question is, am I there to please God? Our identity is in Jesus. Our identity is an eternity. And everything in this world wants to lie to you and say that it's not. Everything in this world wants you to feel like your identity is, is half, that, that who you are is not complete, that what you are will never measure up. The standard that, that you're to live by, you can only get a certain level and then somebody else is greater than you and so you're less than. But then if we read in context of what the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to write to the, churches, uh, to the church of Ephesus in this letter, the amazing identity that we have in God, it's insurmountable compared to anything else. What God wants us to know today is that we're his kids. We're adopted by him. He chose us. It's by Jesus Christ that this happens. And this is according to God's good pleasure. He takes pleasure in you. He is proud of you, who you are in Christ. Isn't that magnificent? Isn't that amazing? The God that created the heavens and the earth sees you and smiles at you. He sees me and smiles at me because he doesn't look at me and see Brian's failures. I see my failures. I'm faced with my failures all the time. I'm faced with my insecurities every day. Sometimes I I don't even want to try and accomplish something because I'm afraid I'm going to fail at it. But God looks at me and he says, Brian, I see Jesus in you. And what I'm making in you is far greater than anything you could ever do on your own. God is proud of that. We're his workmanship. Verse five, that this according to the good pleasures of his will, these things happen. It's something the world cannot give. Your job can't do this. No doctor can give this to you. No finances can ever compare to this. This identity that God has given to you and me as his sons and daughters adopted, we are the king of kings' kids. We are God's most prized possession. We're so extremely precious to him that he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die for you and me. He took our place, literal. Willingly. He thought of you before the foundations of the earth. Before the stars were placed, before any bird flew, before any fish swam, before there was earth, he being God thought of you. And his plan is for you to be his child. It's the most magnificent thing ever. And we see in verse six, Paul continues to, says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That God would receive praise and glory because of his grace his unmerited favor, that God made us accepted in Christ, not by any of our works. I can't go to God and say, hey, look what I've done for you. In God's economy, it's irrelevant. We can't go to God and say, look at my credentials. Accept me now. No. It's in Christ that I am accepted. If you're a believer today, it's in Christ that you're accepted by God. It's because of Jesus. Verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. That word redemption, it's a statement of purchasing a slave off the market that can, cannot pay his debt. So back then, if you you know got into debt or whatever, made a bad business decision, and you couldn't pay back the money you borrowed maybe to do whatever, you'd become a slave to the, the person you owed the money to. That's just the way it was and you would be enslaved to their household and do whatever they said for however long they said it until your debt was paid off. I love how God's word uses literal things that people that we can correlate to. This word redemption, the purchasing of a slave off the market that can't pay their debt. Like i mentioned, that's why they would have been a slave. We are all in debt to God. Yes. Every single one of us. And guess what? You can't pay it. It's impossible for us to pay this debt. We've all sinned. And to pay for our sins... It's absolutely impossible for you to do that. It's impossible for me to do that. We are enslaved to this unless Christ has become our redeemer. Is Christ your redeemer today? Without Jesus, you can't please God. It's impossible. This forgiveness of sins, the redemption through his blood. And what is it according to? It's according to how great you know the Bible. Nope. It's according to how much you tithe to a church. Nope. It's according to how many people you prayed with or or how you raised your kids or, or any of the things that you might be able to accomplish on your own. No, this is according to the riches of what? His grace. It's according to the riches of his unmerited favor towards us. Christ's blood paid for our sinful debt according to the riches of his grace. This forgiveness means, that word forgiveness in there, it means to carry away. So let's look at verse seven here. In him being Jesus, we have been bought as a slave through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness, that word means to carry away. Our sins have been carried away. God's word says it. He casts our sins as far as east is from the west. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means? If you go east, you will never go west. It's impossible. If you go west, you will never end up going east. So Christ, through Jesus, by this grace... Our sins have been cast to never, ever, ever. Eternity, they're gone. And how many of us live a life where we don't really understand our identity in Christ? How many of us live through life and we don't live the reality that that we are forgiven? That's the good news. That's the good news that the world can't tell anybody because the world doesn't have real good news. More and more society is, 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 is going towards a funneled focus of the necessity for hope. And the hope is in Jesus. If you're a believer today, God has given you opportunity to share the truth of who Christ is, not only with your family, your children, but with those are around you. People are hungry and they don't even know it. And God has given you the best opportunity if you are saved today, the Lord has an opportunity for you to share what Jesus has done for you with others. You know, we can read the word and say, well, this is Paul, or you're the preacher standing up. There these, I'm just a dumb guy that got saved and the Holy Spirit said, go do this, and I took a step with my wife. God wants to use you. In fact, that's part of his plan to use those that have been set free by him. It's amazing. Start praying and asking God, Lord, here I am. Here's the, the talents I have. What do you want me to do with them? Maybe whatever the giftings might be, whatever God might wanna do in your life, start praying and asking God to stir his gifts up in you and give you opportunity to minister, start praying for family members who may not know him, or things that that just need to be laid at his feet and see what God might do. It's amazing what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And all of it brings glory to him. Verse eight and nine, we see, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according, again, there is that statement, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. It's amazing. According to the riches of his grace, he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and understanding. This means that he has graciously shared his plan and purpose with us. It's no longer a mystery of what God's plan is, for us is he's made his plans known to us for us to be in christ and that he is our hope that's his plan for us to be in jesus for him to be our hope and this is all for his good pleasure it's amazing what god gives us it's amazing what he wants to teach us you know, going through this study, it's like, I just kept asking the Lord, and I'm, I, I was just faced with this question, like, I, I really believe that, that the church is in a crisis of identity. They base their identity on, 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 on the things that the world bases its identity on. Entertainment, pleasure. You say, well, what do you mean pleasure? Well, I, I, I'm a musician, my wife's a musician, and And I love music, and I'm super critical about it. But you know what? I'm learning more and more as I study the word of God that God could care less about how things sound, but he wants the sound to come from our soul and our broken heart and say, Lord, you're my savior. It's like, this wasn't even my notes, but you you know the story of the widow's mites, right? You know what that is, right? You, You got all the men... People coming in and giving their, their great tithes and offerings and, and sh- showing how great they look and all the good things they're doing in, in the church. And this woman comes with two mites her life savings. Yeah. And I think what people need to see is lives that have been literally given away to God. Is that, is that the filter? Is that the standard? Lord, is my life really given away to you or is my life only given away to you to where I feel good about me giving my life away to you? Does that make sense? But when we abandon ourselves to the true and living God in such a way, say, God, here I am, use me. I'm nobody. You've made me somebody. But here I am, what do you wanna do in my life? Man, God's looking for a willing person, not an educated person. He'll educate the willing. Verse 10, Paul continues, says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So this fullness of times is referring to the millennium when Christ will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. All things in heaven and all things on earth are gonna be gathered together in Christ. Those that are saved, he will be their savior forever. And those that have chosen not to believe, he will be their judge. Everything will be at the feet of Jesus in the millennium. He's preeminent. He's the authority It's amazing how Paul writes this about Christ. Verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Paul's referring to the Jews in in, in this section where it says that, that first trusted in Jesus Christ, but we know that God's word is able to be applied to us as well. So in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. This inheritance is predestined according to God's purpose, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, not your will, not my will, but his will. Listen, you guys, we have an inheritance that's from God that is written in God's will, and it's something that is waiting for us to take and own, in him, we've obtained an inheritance. It's amazing, this identity that we have in God. All of this that we are talking about here, it's about our place with Christ. That's our inheritance, that we are given all of this It's according to God's will, not our own. It's our place to accept it. We don't create it. It is His. And His He freely gives salvation, our inheritance. We who first trust in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Paul writing to the Jews, speaking about the Jewish believers and that those two verses. And then verse 13, in him you also trusted. And so now he's speaking those who are Gentiles. The fact that Gentiles and Jews actually were saved, that's a miraculous thing in itself if you know the history of those two people groups. But in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So here Paul is speaking to the Gentiles, like I had mentioned, of them they also trusted in jesus christ after they had heard excuse me the word of truth the gospel the good news the good news is that christ is salvation gospel of your salvation jesus christ he's our salvation In him believing they're sealed with the Holy Spirit, it's amazing that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're sealed. Our salvation has been sealed. There's a promise that God has placed his seal upon you and me as believers. It can't be taken away. You know what God has done in your life, God has the authority of that. My salvation is, is written in the truth of who Jesus is, what he did on the cross, and that I believe that I'm saved through that. That I've confessed that I'm a sinner, I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I believe in my heart that, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. And I believe that I can't get to heaven except through him. And did you know that if the, the foundation of my belief system was not sealed in the truth of the of what the Lord wants me to know through his word and this is sealed by the Holy Spirit, it would have been done away with years ago. There's something that God gives a believer that it can't be obtained anywhere else except through him. It's amazing. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14 who is the guarantee? Now this is a this is a very important piece here. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Are you following what it's saying here? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? So this word guarantee here we don't really speak that way a lot unless maybe if you're a realtor or you do contracts and, and in the verbiage it would say, you know, here's your, your guaranteed deposit. So this guarantee, it, it's like a business transaction involving the purchasing of something where a deposit would have been required to, to start that transaction, to, to, to form this this purchaser that, that, that guarantees that the transaction would be completed. So, so if you buy a house, you, you put a down payment on it. Well, that, it, in the verbiage, it says it's a guarantee. When you buy a car, you put a down payment. You're giving a guarantee. Paul's writing here, he says, verse 13, 14, towards the end of 13, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Until when? The redemption of the purchased possession. This transaction is for your soul and for my soul. For our eternity, the salvation of our soul. God has given to us as believers the Holy Spirit, the promise, the guarantee of our inheritance. He has purchased us to be his own and he guarantees it. You don't. God does. Anybody who lives any length of time, even Jason's age, knows that he's not perfect. Right, Jason? See? My friend Jason here, being young, knows that God is what love is and that he needs God in his life to help him with things in his life. That knowledge comes from the Bible and from his parents teaching him the Bible. And it's God working in a young person's life that's gonna take those things that are taught to him and apply it to his life as he makes mistakes, and, and, and confesses those things and, 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 and walks out his salvation with fear and trembling. We are being sanctified daily. But I praise the Lord that there's this guarantee that the Holy Spirit has given us. Second Corinthians chapter one verse 22 says this, "Who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee? There's something very special that a believer is given inside of our soul. We know that our eternity, who we are and what we've been given by the Lord, it's guaranteed. I didn't learn that. It's just given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Romans eight sixteen says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Again, the Holy Spirit does this work in us. 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Now he who is prepared us for this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You and I are sealed with the seal of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and nothing can take that away. And then Paul ends it where we're going to end today to the praise of his glory. All of this all of this is to the praise and glory of God. It's amazing what our inheritance is. It's amazing that our inheritance is guaranteed. It's amazing that, that, that we are adopted children in into this. It's, the, the, the relationship that we have, the, the adoption that God gives us. It's amazing. And these are the every spiritual blessings that are in the heavenly place. These are spiritual things that God has given us and it is sealed by the power of the holy spirit within our lives let's pray god thank you for your word and thank you for the patience of the hearers lord and thank you father for what you've given us lord and the fact is lord without you lord we're nobody lord we really are and and lord we need to come to a place of, of 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 giving you room lord to be the lord of our life And I pray for each and every person here, Lord, wherever their walk is, Lord, I pray that you would just continue to grow them, Lord, if they don't know you, that they would come to know you, Lord. Lord, just help us to love you with all of our heart and with all of our mind and with all of our soul, with all of our strength, that those around us would see Jesus, that you might give us opportunity this week, Lord, to to be your hands and feet, Lord, God, you're not a benevolence program. You're a restorer of a soul. You restore life, Lord. You give life where life is not. You're the author and finisher of our faith. And I just praise you for each and every person here, Lord. Those that couldn't make it today, I pray that you would just work in their lives and continue to bring healing where that needs to be, Lord. Just praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.